Hey guys, welcome to the CP Junkie podcast, where we bring you interviews with dentists sharing their CPD stories and journeys from around Australia. What better way to learn than to follow those who've already done it before? CPD Junkie is Australia's most comprehensive CPD, so head over to cpdjunkie.com.au and become a member for free to access the full features of the site. I'm your host, Lawrence Doan, and today we are joined by Dr. Su Lin Lim. She is a passionate and friendly dentist who has focused her area of practice to dental implants, dental alveolar surgery, anesthetic rehabilitations. She completed her bachelor's degree at UWA and has since trained with a number of specialists from around the world in fields of bone grafting, sinus augmentation, smile design, and all-in-four rehabilitations. She is a member of the Australian Osteo Integration Society, a provider for Invisalign and a guide dental institute clinician. Sue Lin is committed to improving the oral health and smiles of all her patients and regularly attends professional development courses to stay up to date on the latest dental advances. Dr. Sue Lin Lim, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. So today we we're doing a mukbang special. So for all of our audio listeners, I apologize in advance, you know, if there's too much noise in the background. But um, Dr. Sue Lin Lim, tell us what are you having right now? I am having beef nachos with heaps of cheese because I avoid eating dairy, but today is a cheat day. I hope it's good. Well, what I'm having over here is charcoal chicken, okay? It's a little favorite out in the Sydney. It's called El Jano's. I don't know if you can see that. <laughs> Feel free to jump in and eat anytime. Don't let me hold you back any more than I have already. So um, your area of focus is dental implants, alveolar surgery, aesthetic rehabilitations. You know, tell us about your CPD journey so far. I'll be honest, I do a bit of everything. Um, I got a message the other day from somebody thinking that I don't do general dentistry. I do do general dentistry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I get totally do general dentistry. Um, I just like things that are either more challenging or interesting. Um, I have done a lot of CPD. I think in my first two years, I was sort of just finding my feet and I probably didn't do that much, but I think after I found things that I was interested in, I just went to town doing CPD. I did heaps of good CPD, heaps of bad CPD. I just did heaps of CPD in general. Yeah, so did you have a particular particular structure to it or was it just like what was on the ADAWA kind of guideline booklet I don't know ever done anything to my knowledge from the ADAWA site I've always done CPD that was either I'd either seen it online or recommended by somebody that I knew um yeah, I've done a lot of CPD that no one's ever heard about. And some of them are really great. I've done heaps of CPD that's like quite popularized. Um, and there are always good things and bad things about it. And I think like two people can do the exact same CPD and get a whole different experience from it. So it's pretty hard, I think, for me to, some people ask me, you know, oh, how should I do my implant training or how should I do whatever kind of training? And it's really hard to give someone solid advice as to which exact courses you should do because courses also, they change over time. They take feedback and they change since the time I would have done it. Um, and yeah, you know, people can get a whole different experience out of it. Right. So, you know, Invisalign provider, 
You went to the Clear Aligner Society or inauguration symposium or something like that? Yes, I was there. Yes. That conference was not bad. I think that taught me like after I did that, I got into Clear Aligners a lot more. Um, the symposium particularly? Yeah, it was good. It, it took speakers from a whole bunch of places. They sort of gave their perspective on how they used it. And everyone uses it a little bit different. Everyone trains a little bit different. Um, sure. And yeah, I got to see like what other people were doing. Um, I don't think I see a whole lot of that where I am. I mean, unless you're on the internet a lot, you don't see what other people are doing. Um, and I met a lot of like, yeah, quite passionate speakers. They seem to like really love their clear aligners, which I probably didn't that, that do that much before. Yeah. Um, I don't do a whole lot at this stage. Like I go through phases where each year I'll pick CPD that I really find interesting or that I want to learn about or that I don't think I'm good at. And I will just focus my time on doing that. Um, and so I did have a year where I was doing a whole lot of clear liners and yeah, it changes. I think it changes a lot, like depending on what I feel like. Doing. So was that like what fixed first or were you going straight into aligners? I don't do braces. Um, just, I did a course where I was sort of learning how to do it. And then I was like, no, not for me. There's a girl that I work with who's, who really loves doing braces and things. And so she, uh-huh. she gets on my, yeah. I think a lot of those cases also young kids. I don't treat a whole lot of kids. Um, just because I guess of the type of work that I like to do. So I've got her for that. <laughs> so you were jumped into more aligners first. Did you go with like a, um, one of the industrial grade ones, like Invisalign or all that? Or did you go into something more like a bit more broad? Oh, I can't remember now. This is years and years ago. <laughs> I tried out doing something called Inman Aligners. Uh-huh. And I had a maybe about six to 12 month period where I was doing that and thinking like, wow, is this orthodontics? I didn't do a whole lot of ortho in my first two years at all. Um, and then after doing that, I realized just how limiting it was with what you could achieve. It's, it's pretty limited in its applications. And then I pretty much moved to doing Invisalign because there were, there's quite a lot of people that I know who did Invisalign. And so getting into that, this was before the whole era of Invisalign Go, I think that they're doing now. Ours yeah. was, you just do Invisalign. Yeah. Yeah. And did you have someone support you through it or? I don't think I really had much support in orthodontics. Um, I think after you do the Invisalign course, you're definitely not trained to do Invisalign. That was years ago. I don't know how it is now. But yeah, after that, I went and took up um, a lot of other. That's, I think, when I ended up at the Clear Aligner Symposium because I just felt like I didn't have enough knowledge to do Invisalign. Um, And then after that, I went and did uh, some online courses and and things like that. And I think that gave me way more confidence in actually doing and understanding how teeth are moving and how to sort of do, I would consider it still basic orthodontics. Yeah. Right. So now, you know, in terms of the, so you're a member of the um, Australian Osso Integration Society guide. Tell us a little bit about that, like. Did you, how'd you come across that and how's it been since then? The Australian Osseo Integration Society. I joined a, eight years ago because 
there was a course that I wanted to do or a lecture that I wanted to go to. And you got discount if you became a member. So I became a member. But I can't say that I'm overly involved in AOS or anything like that. I just had mm -hmm. a period. That was probably my period. I really loved doing implants and like dental alveolar surgery and things like that. So that's probably how I ended up in it. <laughs> Right. So you were doing a few courses, like smaller courses first, and then you made your way there. Or was it kind of more like you jumped in, you saw this one and a lot of people were doing it. And so you joined the society to kind of start it, the process of learning about implants. Um, so my original boss, so my ex-boss, he's sort of going into retirement now. He, when I started, I was a nurse. So I nursed at this practice and I, started working there when I graduated and he's really just pro learning. So he encourages everybody straight out as a new grad to start learning surgery, you know, because when you're a nurse, you're observing, you're seeing a lot of like wisdom teeth. He did, he does heaps of wisdom teeth and surgery and things like that. And um, he just really encourages you to go out and just do and learn things. Um, and he really, I guess, supports, supports his staff in doing that. And that's probably where I started in that I got to see what he was doing. Um, and then I just, yeah, found things I was interested in and went and learned them. <laughs> right. Okay. And then you came across Guide at some point. Is that right? Yeah. So Guide was, I think, advertised by Nobel Biocare. So our practice um, originally had stock pretty much exclusively Nobel Biocare. Um, and they had come and sort of said, you know, this was probably earlier days when Guide was less less popularized. I think a lot of people have done it now. So in the earlier days, um, I think Nobel would come around and kind of have a chat to you about it. And it took me a long time. At that time, I wasn't really doing many implants. And I didn't know whether I wanted to sign on to a one-year course about doing implants because I was thinking, well, is that really going to benefit me? Because I was doing very general things. Um, but it was a great foot in the door. I don't think Guide made me fully competent at all of these procedures because a lot of it is online. I don't love online courses anymore. I've sort of, um, since the whole lockdowns and COVID things, I haven't done a whole lot of online CPD just because I don't think I learn well doing it. Some people do. Some people learn heaps and heaps from it. But I'm one of those like in person, you know, you got to get your hands dirty to really learn what you're doing. Um, well, I think, you know, dentistry is definitely, you know, a more tactile thing. And so when you just feed you information, it feels just like a lecture. And then, you know, you can listen to a whole bunch of lectures, but if you don't actually implement it, you don't actually do anything with it, you can actually just forget about it. Or it just, there's no muscle memory. There's no, like, that extra level of understanding that comes to it, I think. So, you know, we actually had someone on earlier, Dr. Ricky Lim, who also talked about, he's, you know, he just started guiding. He was saying that for guide, he found that, you know, maybe some people uh, heard that it was more for senior people who's, you know, had done a few implants and then do um, guide because it's not cheap and then go from there. I mean, would yeah. you kind of agree or would you? Um, no, we had somebody in our guide year that had never done an implant or maybe had done one and they seem, it, it's, it's, it's like I said, it's what you get out of it. Would I recommend guide for somebody who is a new grad and has never done any implants? No, I wouldn't. <laughs> I think this is just my opinion on it, but I think the back, I know it's changed as well since I've done it. Mine was a good number of years ago. Um, I thought that the, 
the time that I went through, it would have been best for somebody who had maybe done basic implantology courses, done a little bit of resto, um, so you can fully um, take in everything that they're telling you. Because they do go into some really complex stuff and you won't get a whole lot out of that if you haven't understood the basic principles of surgery and how to treatment plan implants and things. Yes, they'll teach you, but you'll get definitely get a lot more out of it if you have some experience. That's just what I think. Right. Would there be any particular structure to how you would approach it? You know, if you could look back and talk to the younger Dr. Lim, you know, how would you structure that implant journey now? I mean, because you do bone grafting, sinus augmentation, you know, and now even also all on four. I mean, let's, let's talk about all of that. No, I don't think I would have done anything differently. Um, even the courses that I say, yeah, I didn't really get so much out of it. I would have got something out of all of the courses that I did. There wasn't, I don't think I've done anything where I've walked away and be like, wow, I learned nothing out of that. <laughs> yeah. Would you say the hardest part is for a new grad is jumping into implants, but not having someone to support them through it? Yeah, that is definitely, it's not just implants. It's probably anything that you want to do. Mm -hmm. Find yourself a mentor. There's so many people out there who are really like, even on, on the internet, you know, that are posting stuff that they're doing that seem to like mentoring and teaching. And there's so many like little club things you can go to or like people that you can meet to to mentor you. It just depends, I think, what kind of uh, dentist or surgeon you want to be. Mm -hmm. I had trouble <laughs> finding myself a mentor just because I think I, I don't know, I train differently or like I like to do things differently. I don't really have somebody that I can go to and be like, hey, what do you think about this? Um, so a lot of the time I'll just sit there and look at cases and be like, yeah, this is what I would. Right, right. As in like, that's how you approached it. You, you just kind of built it on yourself where you had someone to kind of help you out. I think certain things I would definitely maybe source someone and be like, hey, what do you think about this? Um, but I don't think there's anyone that I could really go to and just be like, can you give me some help? Mm -hmm. And I think that, yeah, it is. It's definitely what made it really difficult. But I think it also makes you a really great treatment planner and problem solver if you can sit down with a case and just go through every possibility and every option and just think like, what could possibly go wrong in this scenario and then have a backup plan. You mentioned, you know, that your practice does more implant um, in Nobel. For someone who doesn't, like their practice, who's a new associate, doesn't do implants with Nobel and then they go and do particular courses that aren't Nobel so say branded or you know they're not the type of brand that is the one that's being used at the practice I mean would you recommend that or would you say you know try to pick more of those courses that are directed around the implants that you're doing or branch out and do something different because it's maybe you know cheaper or um, it's more uh, structured for someone who's new if that kind of makes sense that is pretty difficult because I think like if you want to really implement, I guess, implants or, you know, be good at implants, you do need to learn a bit about every system. Um, but at the end of the day, a lot of them are really similar. I mean, an implant is an implant, you know, you, if you know your componentry, you can sort of switch things. So you can sort of say like, well, this is an implant. This is the fixture. This is the abutment. This is the crown. Like it, it's, it's not, rocket science um but i can see how that would be really hard um i'm throwing you on the deep end aren't i 
Yeah, I'm just thinking, I've never really thought about that before. I think I just happened to go into a lot of Nobel courses and then I switched and I went and did like Southern courses because they just have a really big range. Um, I know there's heaps of other systems out there that have heaps of courses, but I think a lot are quite similar. Like I've seen like sort of the outlines and things um, and they teach very similar things. So I think you can, I think I would advise if a practice is doing Nobel, their first course should be a Nobel course <laughs> because you're going to have the support from the people at your practice. Like it just seems like you wouldn't do a basic resto course for some other brand that no one's ever heard of if, you know, unless you really liked the lecturer. Um, yeah, no, I would definitely advise do the one that your practice is, unless the implant system is so terrible that you just don't want to do it. But yeah, no, that's probably the best advice I would give. For some of our more, you know, um, senior dentists, how did you transition from single to all in four? Mm, the patient needed it. <laughs> <laughs> I think you'll end, up, you'll end up training what your patients need. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think I've done all in four for a while now. Like I have a mate who is an all in four technician and he is amazing. Like, I don't think I've seen anyone recreate all on fours like the way that he does and he's like wow I haven't really heard from you <laughs> <laughs> because right now like my I think the courses and things that I've really been focusing on in the past couple of months was like TMD and a lot of like ceramic and I've done a lot of pros I think more pros in the past couple of months than I've done wow in my whole career <laughs> Yeah. And my nurses are the ones who pick it up. They're like, see, when you talk about this a lot, it just happens. I think if you have an interest in something, you tend to talk about it a lot. And that's mm -hmm. where all your patients really come from. Um, because they know that you're passionate about it, that you know, that, that you know, you like doing these kind of things and they obviously feel the confidence when you talk about it a lot. Right. So that's a good, interesting segue because some of our viewers might not know, but you know, you were Dr. Sabine Hunt's model for her recent photography workshop you know if you haven't checked it out you can definitely go check it out but tell us how you kind of form the closer relationship with one of australia's my most sought after ceramist i love the way that you say it when i met him i had no idea that he was like this little celebrity it was probably through like a friend of a friend somewhere and then i have done some of his courses as well and i just remember talking to him and i'm quite obviously quite a severe class too and I have been suggested, people have suggested to me, you know, maybe you should go for braces for a third time and get surgery. And I was like, mm. and I remember him saying to me, he came up to me and he was like, so that I really, really like your teeth. And I use them as reference, like when he's doing cases. And I was like, oh, my heart. <laughs> and the thing about Starby is that you he's one of those people you know how everyone has award-winning something or like whatever credentials they have for Savi you don't even need to know that he's a master ceramist you literally just need to know his name and he's so passionate and so humble and I just really admire that and um yeah good sense of humor <laughs> yeah I mean like even from over here and I've never met him in person but i've been able to message him a few times and he's definitely been like quick to respond to kind of give me tips and stuff like that so definitely very open 
about knowledge and I like the way that he teaches and I think I like learning from people that have just not just their skills that you admire but you also admire their personalities and I think that's for me now when I'm picking courses that's really how I pick them based on the presenter and you know um the feedback when you're young young, you just take what you can get but (laughs) when you get older yeah you can be more picky so we have a question from the yum life you know when did you start doing implants and botox after graduation i mean you mentioned already implants you started pretty much soon after because you had that kind of support from your boss to go and do um implants and surgery and you had the structure and the backup for it but you know for maybe botox uh, I started really late. This is one of the things I regret not starting sooner. So I am definitely one of those people. And I regret to say that I am one of those people that really had no idea that Botox and fillers were different things. Okay. And I've never thought that having big lips and things were super attractive. And so I just steered clear of it. I never even looked into it. Um, and that's obviously very close-minded of me because <laughs> there is a huge therapeutic benefit of doing Botox for patients. And when I started having a lot more jaw pain, um, I'm one of those people who (laughs) is very mistrusting of doctors and dentists and things like that. So I never really let anybody inject me. And then I have this friend who's um, a cosmetic surgeon and, you know, he's like, you know, you should really consider it because I complain about having jaw pains and things all the time. And so one time he was in plus, he's like, you know what? just gonna do it for you he did it for my birthday and it was amazing it was like life-changing I wear a splint um but even if you wear a splint you still do your muscle is still active you know and after that I was like wow I should stop being so close-minded and really just start learning and educating myself um and that's when I started training and then I did an online course which was an American course and it was good because it really taught me a lot about temporomandibular joint dysfunction and things like that but not for aesthetics or anything like that and it also didn't have a practical component because that was during lockdown and things so I didn't feel super confident in doing it I would tell my patients about it but I wouldn't actively sort of say you know this is life-changing um and then I did a local course obviously with the hands-on and on I guess different kind a different type of online lecture which was really good for me because I just needed that sort of assurance that I was obviously injecting correctly. Um, And that was it. After that, it was like, wow, Celine, you're talking about Botox a lot. (laughs) So what was that online thing, that kind of um, course that you did to get you started into Botox? The McGann postgrad course. They do a lot of other courses as well, um, but it's an American-based, very focused on the joint. Yeah, they teach you heaps about it. Um, and it was very, I guess, uh, content intensive, which I liked. So we normally ask our guests, you know, of all those CPDs, what's had the biggest clinical impact on your dentistry today? But you kind of already implied it there with some of that Botox and some of that. No, um, that's such a, it's, I feel like this is a question that every dentist gets asked at some point in their life. Yeah. And I don't think there's one that, influenced me the most I think I remember there was a course that I had done a bone grafting one overseas and I had met someone and I think the person that I met shaped a lot of the years after and I'm still mates with him we don't talk super often but 
I don't think he realizes it, but every time I'm sort of like in a slump, I'm like, mm, don't really know what I want to train in or, you know, I'll talk to him and he will tell me something that's progressive, something that he's doing in his practice in London that's either progressive or different. And it really inspires me to be like, Suen, get out of the rut, find something to benefit the world or the patients or something in your life. And I think that really encourages me to just keep going at it. Yeah. Um, oh, what, what was that CPD? Um, it was the, oh, I can't remember now, it was Ifan's bone grafting course. Um, and it was like quite a long course as well, where you had to sort of keep flying overseas. Um, so it probably wasn't the course. So I love the course, but it wasn't the course itself. It was, I guess, the people that I experienced it with that really, I think, changed my onlook on training. Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, that kind of leads on to our next one as well. So, which is, you know, who um, has been your biggest mentors, you know, idols or inspirations in your career path so far in life? I don't think I have one. I have people that like, I admire certain things about them that inspire me. Say that I had this one person, I love them so much. It's so amazing. But no, there's never been anybody who I think I just love everything about what they were doing. It was just the little things that inspired me. And yeah. So Sabi is definitely one of those. It was just the passion that he had. And my friend from London, his name is Jazz. He's just like, just awesome. <laughs> I just love how he just does his own thing, but is just so dedicated and progressive to what he wants to achieve. And I think like, I really, I really admire that. But don't tell him because I don't think he'll watch it. <laughs> <laughs> we put it out into the world now, hey? <laughs> okay, so um, you know, some of the viewers want to know, We've got uh, Simi Ben, Alan Tan, Ali Tan, sorry, um, that want to know if you've had any struggles with your CPD journey or dental journey so far that some of us, others don't know about. Mm, CPD struggles? Doesn't have to be CPD. It could be dental related. You know, has there been any hard parts about dentistry? I think dentistry itself is not that hard if you train. I think everything around it makes it really hard but that's not just in the dental field I think that's um that's just in life in general <laughs> when you, you mean a work-life balance kind of situation you mean more like I think dealing with people like I'm very introverted and I don't deal with people well I guess I deal with patients well but everything else around that I think is pretty I would find quite difficult um I'm one of those people who like I'll just work I want to go to work and I want to smash it out with my team that I'm working with um and I don't really take notice of a whole lot of other things which tends to probably be can, can be difficult <laughs> um but yeah so for me I think I've always found dentistry to be pretty straightforward I've always really most of the time really loved it um it's just I think yeah like say corporate or you know people and politics they're the things that make dentistry really hard um yeah when you say people you mean you know like the staff you've been working with or like the the bosses that you've had or the mentors that you've had when you say corporate you mean you know, like the red tapes the the limitations or the expectations that I expect of you I think more I had a stage where I, I'm pretty like outspoken. I like to do my own thing where I was sort of getting bullied by a group of people and it made me not want to be a dentist. And then I think I met people that were more similar to me. They sort of just do their own thing. And that 
probably inspired me to train. And I think I had a big turning point at a couple of years in where I was a pretty general dentist at the beginning, very, very general. Sure. Um, and then that probably changed. And then I just learned to love it. I just learned to pick things that I wanted to do. Um, because anyone doing anything, you're going to have people that don't like you or you don't get along with. And that's, as you get older, I think that's, that's cool. <laughs> you can't be friends with everyone. You know, you don't, you know, you might not be everyone's cup of tea, but that's okay. Cause you know, oh. can't please everyone. The best thing about dentistry is that's, that's totally cool. There's so much to do. There's so many people to meet. Alexander also wants to know, you know, what's the hardest part about being a female dentist? I don't think the struggles of being a female dentist are that different from being a male dentist. I mean, we, I think the workforce is pretty much split quite evenly, 50-50. Yeah, I think it's progressing down that way now. You know, my class is more than 50% were female. I tell girls all the time how great, I I took it with a pinch of salt, but how great being a dentist, like the life, work-life balance and everything about it. Like if you want to have kids or no kids or whatever you want to do, you want to travel. It gives you so much opportunity to do what you want to do. Um, Struggles you face are probably due to being a dentist as opposed to being female. Sure. Um, I might be saying this wrong. Is it Ali's... Zafa, um, he wants to know uh, any red flags for any new grads looking for um, jobs, even though they appreciate whatever they get. Did you come across any red flags during your journey um, as a new grad or recent graduate when you're looking for jobs? Or if you could speak to them now for the new one, up and coming ones, any particular things that they should look out for? I think it's hard for me to give advice because I worked as a nurse I think that's always good working as a nurse before you start at a place. Um, I worked as a nurse for a year and a half before I worked as a dentist. And it was really good to see how the place operated. It also sort of made you realize how you wanted to practice or what you like and what you didn't like. Um, so I haven't got a whole lot of experience with being a new grad at other places, but I have had a lot of colleagues and things tell me that, they had multiple jobs when they started as a new grad, they would start somewhere and they say never got paid for a few months or they would work at a place and the boss would take all of the cool stuff off them and they just have to do cleans and fillings. Um, I think it's good to talk to people who have worked there before um, to see what it was like, the good and the bad things. But that's also really difficult because the place where I've worked, yeah, I mean, some people go through and have a terrible experience. Other people go through and have a great experience, stay for a long time. Um, I think the best thing is, yeah, talk to someone, but also maybe go in there and sort of see what it's like. Um, so you get an idea of what you're looking for. Cause everyone's looking for something different at the end of the day, you know, I could recommend a place and you might hate it. Uh, yeah, it just depends on what kind of experience you want. Yeah. yeah. And I guess the individual in themselves is a variable in terms mm-hmm. of their attitude, their mindset, you know, what they it will be different to maybe what um, the person who's recommending it is thinking and feeling. Yeah. No, that's fair enough. Um, I'd be willing to work like, um, as a new grad, just work really hard. Don't think about your work-life balance at the beginning because <laughs> it sets you, it literally sets you up for the rest of your life. 
Fair enough. So what does your current clinical day look like? The type of procedures you might be getting up to now? I mean, it varies. I think right now I'm really doing, I have a very, almost every day is a good day. It's very ideal for me. Um, I get to do a lot of the things that I want to do. Implant work, ceramic work, composite work. Um, and it always turns out interesting. And I think when you're having a good time, because I have some, I work with two really great nurses. One's been away for a little bit because he had a baby and congratulations. But um, we're just a great team. We always have fun. Like, and they're both overseas trained dentists. So they're just really interested, really keen and just really motivated as well to learn. And I really love that. Like, um, was it yesterday? So I don't do socket preservation. It's just going on a tangent, but I don't do soccer preservation very often because I would much prefer native bone and then just going back in three months and putting implant in. Um, and everyone has a different train of thought on that, but that's just how I practice. And so I had this case where I was like, no, we're going to take it out. We're going to put a bone graft in there and we're going to wait because it's just, it works out better that way. And then the days, I actually love these kind of days when you have time for the plan to change. So we had taken out the tooth and the abscess had eroded the sinus. And I was like, I love this. <laughs> and we got to, you know, graft and close it and things. I'm oh, sorry, not graft. Just, I, I was a bit sad. I didn't get to do a socket press because, you know, people love showing that stuff, but I just, I rarely do it. And um, yeah, that was a good day. I mean, I love days where I go in and I do something that I either have to think about um, or it's just something that sort of surprises you. Mm -hmm. So um where do you want to hope you know your ideal clinical or non-clinical day to look like in five years time and what kind of cbt do you want to do to kind of get there i'll be honest i already think my days are ideal <laughs> <laughs> I, I love going to work most days like the, the patients i have are amazing my nurses i work with are amazing there is one course that i have been eyeing in brazil that i haven't been able to go to for like the past year um, and I've been messaging the dude and I'm like, so are you ever coming to Australia? <laughs> um, and it is the surgical reduction of the gummy smile. I think that's something that I would really love to learn how to do that I don't know how to do now. And I already have my patient lined up. He just doesn't know it yet. Thank you, Jeff. <laughs> so is that because you've um, come across a fair few patients that had have had that or like right now i would either say you know you can do botox like to drop it for a little bit so you can see what it looks like but it's not permanent or i would say get an ortho and max fact opinion on it because you know they do those kind of things but there's not really a whole lot i can offer and i just i'd also just like to know how they treat them planet and things like that i find that pretty interesting there are procedures that i don't do that i just think are interesting and i just like learning them i just want to know how they do it <laughs> fair enough fair enough and so what i was saying earlier rotary thomas was that a composite course that you're something interested in back in the day yeah definitely um his art i think is amazing um i used to paint a little bit and it's just his painting is out of this world like as a dentist I mean, maybe he was a painter before. I'm not sure. I don't uh, really know, but I've seen his paintings um, on the internet and his composite work is, it is amazing. Um, I really like 
looking at people's, well, I don't, I, I gotta say, I don't look at it a whole lot, but I like seeing people's work and thinking like, how did they get there? Um, like how, what techniques they used and you know, just like how, how would I have got there to, to make it look like that? But his work is like, I look at it and think like, well, actually I'm not sure how I would have got there. <laughs> yeah. Um, the Yummy Life wants to know, how do you balance being a budding superstar actor and a dentist? Um, <laughs> Some of our viewers who don't know or listeners who don't know, um, Dr. Lim is an up-and-coming actor. <laughs> That's Tom used <laughs> very loosely. Um, I think a lot of the filming I did previously was at night, so I could sort of finish work early and go. Um, the best thing about being a dentist is having a manager who you say you will bring to the red carpet with you because she's totally understanding when you need to take leave suddenly. Um, and yeah, so I think a lot of times it just happens like as a dentist, you can technically work part-time, you know, you can do other things. Um, and it's just lucky that the auditions like today happen to fall on my day off. So I can, you know, wrap this up and I can go to my audition and, you know, it works out. But yeah, with filming, you can sort of, yeah, preempt, take time off. Patients understand, you know. <laughs> I haven't told one of them yet. They just think I'm doing another job. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Okay, so we're going to go through some rapid fire guest questions. Are you ready? Mm -hmm. So the Yum Life wants to know, what's your favorite type of cake? I feel like everyone knows it's the strawberry, strawberry cream cake, the Japanese one. I can't remember what it's called. Strawberry cream cake. Okay, so Ben Nang eighty nine wants to know: Can you sell teeth in the black market, and how much is it worth? I'll be honest; I don't know how to get to the black market. Um, but if someone would love to teach me, I would love to learn. He also wants to know: Are gap teeth hot? A gap teeth? Apparently, on models, apparently it's very popular. I have an opinion of it. I have some <laughs> patients who want to keep the gap open. I have some patients who want to close the gap. It's personal preference. Luke3E wants to know, do you have any issues with loops falling down your ears? Yes, I genetically have very floppy ears and a lot of people know that. So if I wear loops or anything here, I'll sit and they'll be like, like this. <laughs> and I've just learned to live with that. There's nothing you can do. Can, can you make it thicker? Like I'm sure your optometrist has something to thicken it up. Might need to get some elastic bands or something. Um, you have to tie it really high up here and then it gives you a headache over the day. So I've sort of just lived with it flopping on my ears and it just holds there. Yeah. <laughs> has a solution. You need the extra one that goes out across the head, hey? I've seen that and I've tried them. Um, and I think they're actually really good for surgery where you don't need magnification. Like it's, it's good, but that's not an old time thing. Okay. He also wants to know, what are your thoughts on oral health therapist adult scope? You can plead the fifth if you want to. I'm actually not fully aware of what the um, adult scope is. I know there was at some point some debate about it. Um, I think it depends on how well you've trained. It's the same thing, I think, as, um, as a dentist there. Um, if you pick a dentist and say, I need you to do all of these things that may not be appropriate, but if they've had the training there, you could pick a different dentist who's really well-trained at all of these things and they would kill it. But just being a dentist or being an oral health th therapist, I don't think it means you should be entitled to doing certain things. Um, 
yeah, it's just, I, I, that's pre, I think that's pretty much what I think about it. I don't know what the, they're actually, what the scope actually is at the moment, but if you've got somebody training you and it's totally legal, do it. <laughs> <laughs> Simi Bear wants to know if you could only eat one dish for the rest of your life, what would it be? I think it changes. I think it changes every, um, every couple of weeks. Um, Simi Bear also wants to know what is Dr. Sulim's skincare routine? Cause your skin is glowing. Up until um, a few weeks ago, it was probably really bad. Now, a few months ago, it was really bad. I like one of those people who just uses water to wash my face. But um, I had this period where I had a lot of dermatitis, like a lot. And I don't know if it's from, do people get that from the dental clinic? Just like maybe the air or- Having the mask on for too long, maybe? Does that give people dermatitis? I don't know, but mine was just really bad. And so I started to- definitely look after my skin i now have a face wash and i have a serum and i have a moisturizer <laughs> fair enough um links rick stick i'm not sure if i'm saying pronouncing that right wants to know have you ever encountered a tooth that was uniquely bizarre and if so describe it okay i feel like most people have encountered this kind of wisdom tooth at some stage where it's got like two roots and then an extra one down the middle <laughs> I've seen heaps of girls post them online being like, oh, I extracted a male baby tooth today. <laughs> I've had one of those. I had quite a few of those. Um, yeah, they're always, always a joy to take out. <laughs> okay. She, she's also wondering, have you been on any, have you, have there been any memorable moments with patients under sedation? Yes. Yes. So I do um, like, light sedation for patients that don't need to go fully under and leave lower as pam and i once had this this is like pretty early on in my career i had this guy come in and he's like a young blokey kind of dude halfway through he's sort of like he's like stop, 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 stop. And he gets up and he's like i just i need to take off my clothes and i was like no no keep them on stop stop <laughs> and he's like proceeding to take off his clothes and i was like oh my god i don't know what to do i'm just gonna leave the room he's like no no I'm just going to take the first layer off. It's just a little bit hot. And I was like, oh, okay. All right. (laughs) Yeah, I always remember that because everyone was laughing at me. (laughs) (laughs) Like, it's just the first layer. (laughs) I I love how that's, well, that that brings us to some of most questions that we want to ask you today. And we don't want to keep you much longer. So, Dr. Sulem, thank you for coming on the show today. Thanks for having me. If you could let the people know how they can reach you or what's kind of going on in your life, because you guys aren't locked down over there in WA. Yes, we are not. You can reach me on Instagram. (laughs) Everyone knows my Instagram. It's up there somewhere. (laughs) Feel free. And what's kind of going on in your life at the moment? Um, I'm really trying to um, diversify my acting portfolio right now. So the audition last Thursday was about, it's a real horror film where I get to like kick and punch and do stunts and stuff like that. But everyone's saying, you know what, maybe you should try for like less, less crazy roles and just go for something. <laughs> Today is like a, um, it's like a, not coming of age, but a, a woman who's like finding her way in the world and, um, sort of maybe rom-com type style don't know if that's my thing but yeah we'll see well thank you so much for coming on the show i hope you have a good um evening you too enjoy lockdown (laughs) 
Okay, bye. If you like this episode, drop a comment below on your favorite part or leave a review. Don't forget to share it with your friends and we'll see you in the next episode of CP Junkie Podcast.